Witty Nation. Welcome everyone to episode 76 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self-rated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between, and part of the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, at WittySports716, and of course, follow everything the Built-In Buffalo family is doing and giving you every single day at Built-In Buffalo underscore. Check all their shows out, doing big things for Bill's Mafia, and uh, dab on an old Sabres talk as well, so... Built in Buffalo, giving you everything you could possibly need in your Buffalo sports fix. We are your hosts, of course. I am Matt Crackle. He is Tony Ambrose. Tony, what's going on? Witty Nation, listening to us, Witty Nation. <laughs> Could be love or lust, Witty Nation. Ooh. The Bills and Chiefs rematches on. <laughs> we just have to stave off Omicron. Hey man, what's going on? What's up, Witty Nation? Drum solo. Do, 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 do. Whoa! <laughs> this episode is heating up fast. Oh boy, no, that's a good, uh, that's a good tune, Tony. Good choice this week. I like Thank it. Thank you. It felt like it could have been hey, a fitting Valentine's Day kind of thing, but you know, we come early. We come early. We stay late. <laughs> that's right. Just <laughs> like the Bills. Exactly. <laughs> Tony, we got another packed episode for the listeners this week. We welcome back friend of the pod, Taylor Witt from the It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom podcast to discuss the Bills-Chiefs divisional matchup. I think this appearance from Taylor puts him in the three-timers club, and I think he's the only member of the three-timers club. So uh, he holds a record that uh, maybe will be broken one day. Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) But Tony, before we get into the Bills, I want to get your thoughts about... Well, I'll give you two of the big stories I found this week and see which one you want to discuss. One is the LPGA Tour starting. I know you have many thoughts about that. Okay. And, and, yes, two, and two, I think, is something you are very interested in, and that is the hamster massacre happening in Hong Kong. Um, I have to tell you right now, Matt, I have a confession to you and to Woody Nation. I know virtually nothing about both of those topics <laughs> i thought you were gonna pull a like a twist of how can we relate these two <laughs> topics <laughs> i am usually pretty good at that but please educate me give me the tldr on the hamster attack or whatever the hell you're talking hong about kong right is now. hong kong is claiming that 2,000 hamsters have covid or are carrying the covid virus and are taking them from residents homes and uh massacring them so not to start off the pod in, in a dire or uh, <laughs> a, a deathly circumstance here, but it was interesting. <laughs> it, was a, it was a slow week, people. It was a slow week in the news. <laughs> we got hamster massacres. That's all I can. That's all I can find. Honestly. So are they? In, they're saying like wild hamsters, feral hamsters. No. Like pet hamsters. Pet hamsters. Yeah, they're taking them from in, people's homes. People who probably have a variant of COVID-19. Uh, thinking thinking it is transferred to the hamster and the hamster could spread it due to them escaping and biting people at a, at a rapid pace. I don't understand it. I didn't care to dive into the story other than the first paragraph of this is happening. Because <laughs> I know it would have uh, made me sad. But that's all I got, Tony. We could talk about the crazy wildcard weekend in the NFL. Well, I think that obviously we're going to be talking about that a little bit here and there as it is. <laughs> we're going to be talking about one game in particular. This is a sports podcast. It is. We should talk about sports, sports. entertainment, and everything in between. Are you saying hamsters can't play sports? Are you saying animals can't play sports, Tony? 
tell that to Air Bud, one of the great athletes of our generation. Oh, I was thinking tell that to every hamster that's ever been having the time of their life in a hamster ball. I mean, they're the real victims here. Really? You know, for 99.996% of these hamsters, they're going to be fine. But for a select population of these hamsters, they'll never know the joy of running down the field in their hamster ball no. or, run, or going down the stairs in their hamster ball. No, they won't. Those days are done. Those days are done. They're over for you hamsters. Yeah. These hamsters should have worn a mask. Now it's just Kia car commercials, and that's it. Well. I, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there there was one story out of the NFL wildcard weekend, or two stories, I should say. We had Nickelodeon game back, which was great to see. Absolutely. They they upped the ante this year. And, and, and of course, I, I hope I'm not putting the car before the horse, but the Bills made history. Tony, do you want to announce it? I know why they made history. I know. In relation to what you're talking about, correct? That the entire Bills offense won the MVP trophy. <laughs> Absolutely. This, the, <laughs> that the is cre- that is the weekly MVP trophy they give out, Tony. That is not the MVP MVP trophy. That that went to Dak Prescott this year. Also a losing quarterback. So there is a trend that the losing quarterback receives <laughs> the playoff game MVP trophy. That is a good point. But the it curse is an of MVP the MVP trophy. trophy. It's an it's an MVP trophy nonetheless. It is, yes. The river, or I, like the creek next to the stadium, may as well be a river of slime, a la Ghostbusters 2, because there is so much slime coming from the stadium, from the entire offense, winning the MVP. Slime Central, yeah. <laughs> Rename the Bills Boulevard to something with slime in it. Yeah. Yeah, no. Have you seen I, the new Ghostbusters, Matt? No, is it good? Have you seen it? Ghostbusters Afterlife? I haven't I seen, have it. seen Ghostbusters Afterlife. Is it good? Is it a worthy successor to the Ghostbusters Legacy? Okay, well, those are two very different questions. <laughs> and of course, I'm talking <laughs> about the all female one. <laughs> right, of course, of course. When Feig went in there, he changed the game forever. That's not what I'm talking about. That is not in the same canon. Of course, of course the female Ghostbusters is not in the same universe as Ghostbusters. No, it's not. And Ghostbusters 2. You know, it's worth a watch. I find it's worth a watch. It's, my, there's a high I bar. Reading, Ghostbusters 1 is one of my, like, my favorite movies ever. Abso- oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. me too. There's a very high bar. Does it meet that bar? Mm, I would say it probably doesn't meet that bar. There are definitely aspects in Ghostbusters Afterlife that do not make sense. Okay, good start. <laughs> the, the biggest disappointment for me with Ghostbusters Afterlife is, to me, the correct format of a Ghostbusters movie's beginning. Is that we go in, we see them bust some ghosts, we or we see some sort of hook, action-filled Hollywood scene that maybe includes some sort of Ghostbusters technology, some sort of proton pack action, <laughs> and then it, and then all of a sudden a quick fade up of. Do they play the theme song in the new movie? Well, they do, but not until the end. Oh, and oh. that's my disappointment. I think as oh, soon as go, soon as that Ghostbusters uh, watermark goes on the screen, yeah. I think you have to be playing g- the song Ghostbusters. Yeah, the Ray Parker Jr. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That didn't happen in this one. I was soured for the whole rest of the time. I can imagine. Other I would be too. That, now I don't yeah, even want to see I'm it. Like, right. I'm like, well, that's not how Ghostbusters is supposed to work. When the title goes across the screen, I'm supposed to be listening to Ray Parker Jr. That's what's supposed to happen. And then that didn't happen. And then I watched the rest of the movie, and you know, it was pretty good. <laughs> I I was entertained by it. I could see some people not. That's being, all you could ask. But yeah. I, I was entertained by it. I don't know. The end was pretty fun. As long as one Wilhelm von Homburg does not make an appearance, and of course, he played Vigo in Ghostbusters too. That well, that guy scared the, the crap oh, out of me too. when I was a kid. <laughs> 
<laughs> just stealing babies was, and whatever. Stealing babies, you know. I was out waiting of for them to connect something with Ghostbusters 2 into this, but it is heavily, heavily off of Ghostbusters 1. That's the right call. As though, you think? I don't know. I, I wanted I wanted integration from both. No. Ghostbusters is 1 Ghostbusters is superior. Afterlife, you gotta raise the ante. You gotta raise the, the mark here. And the only way to raise that power is to somehow integrate both major villains that we know. And especially if this is the kind of uh, toss-back sequel that's going to include a lot of fun Easter eggs and nerdgasms and stuff, then I'm looking for something from Ghostbusters 2, and I never found it. It was all Ghostbusters 1, hmm, which is all right. Well, that's your Ghostbusters movie review for the day, listeners. <laughs> Ghostbusters yeah, Afterlife, yeah. three and a half out of five stars from Tony. Mm, three out of five, we'll say. Oh, wow. Ouch. I don't uh, know if it's the best. Let's say good. <laughs> uh, speaking of movies, the other story I did see at a wildcard weekend was uh, Eagles coach Nick Sirianni showing the team clips from the movie Rocky to get them pumped up. For the Bucks game this past weekend. Is Rocky the go-to movie, sports movie, to pump people up? Well, I think if you're the Eagles, maybe. I think that's a Philadelphia. I, I think it's a Philadelphia thing, too. But like, So what do you think it is, objectively, geography aside, what do you think if it I, is? If I'm a huge underdog uh, going against a former Super Bowl champion or the current Super Bowl champions, I'm going Little Giants. That's a true underdog story, oh, Tony. Not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> no? A team nobody thought could win? A bunch of nobodies? I'm, see, I thought you were going to say something about a, a, a person, an individual nobody thought could win. I thought you were going Rudy. Oh, no. Oh, man. Rudy, Rudy psyched me up. Rudy's overrated. Oh, okay. This <laughs> podcast is over. <laughs> the play should have never happened. You there? I held out as long as I could. <laughs> I wanted to, to make you believe that this podcast is truly over. But here we are. The the, the yeah, white the white noise better. almost sold it. <laughs> almost <laughs> ghost. You almost ghostbusted me. Oh, I don't know why using Ghostbusters as a verb. <laughs> you almost ghosted me. Okay, anyway, yeah, I don't I don't think Rocky. I think Rocky's a Philly thing, but if it's the Bills, just play second string. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then you got no problem. Right. Just exactly. the last scene of second string where he goes. Worst case scenario, Bills go zero and five in Super Bowl history. <laughs> That isn't the worst case scenario. Speaking of Bills Super Bowls, we got a lot of Bills playoffs to talk about, and the only way you can get to the Super Bowl is to win in the playoffs. You ready? Here to talk some Bills Patriots. Let's queue up Marv. Listeners, we will be back after the break to talk Bills Patriots. Go, go. Bills fight, Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Tony, big wildcard game. Bills Patriots rubber match round three. We started off the same way we start off every game review with the so bad, it's good review. Tony, you ready for your, your critical takes and your criticisms and comments? I'm ready to record my comments into my iPad, which is a departure from my usual routine. So my fingers are warmed up and ready when you are. <laughs> oh, I hope autocorrect does not mess you up. Sweet Jesus. Don't even joke about that. <laughs> Here we go. The weather outside was frigid, but the bills were running up the buster points. Dexter's feeling hot, hot, hot enough to burn more holes. In Bill Belichick's sweatshirt, fireball, more like fireball, as Josh Allen was cinema money all night throwing for more touchdowns than incompletions, and the price was right for Druven single carry, giving the Patriots punch after punch a bunch. 
Plink going twice into the end zone. And finally, in a touching tribute to local legend, father of the year, and sometimes IHOP cook, Earl Simmons, otherwise known, otherwise known as DMX. The Bills got the party up as Micah Hyde gonna make Mafia lose their mind up in here, up in here. One, not done. Bills win the Wiki Wiki wildcard matchup 47-17 and bring all the hamburgers and chocolate cake you can find as we move on to face Andy Reid and the Chiefs next week. I really appreciate Wiki Wiki Wildcard matchup. Yeah, it was a throwback to last episode. Constantly saying Wiki Wiki Wildcard. <laughs> Wiki Wiki Wildcard. Uh, I also appreciated uh, imitation of the highest form of flattery. You using the pun Devin Singletary. <laughs> Although I have no idea what the context was that you talked about. What, what was what was it like? You said it after. It's like it's like this. It's Devin Singletary. The price was right for Druven Singletary. It's a reach. Druven. <laughs> Druven Singletary. Price is right. So Drew Carey. Drew Carey. Drew Carey, I get that. Drew Carey. Oh, so it's the Vin is Devin. Yes. Drew Vin single Carey. Yes. You're getting that. All right. And then the following line was giving the Patriots punch after punch a bunch. Plink going mm-hmm. twice into the end zone. So throwing some mm-hmm. prices right games in there. Yes. Yeah. All right. You tied it up. You. I was critical at first, but now you've made me a believer. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I'm glad I could uh could flip the script there. You did. You totally flipped the script, and you flipped my brain. It was a lot. Now of, I just want to come up with nothing but prices right buzz. It was a lot of callbacks to previous discussions. Obviously, the wiki wiki wild card from our yeah. Will Smith. Uh, how Wild Wild West is an underrated movie. Last week talk, and then uh, the Price is Right talk, and that is a callback to when when we discussed how much I hate myself when I miss Price is Right when I'm home. Yeah. We don't we all? It's eleven fifty six, and I kick myself every time. Like, how did I yeah, miss prices right? It's a wasted day. It you is wasted the entire day. It ruins the whole day for me. You, yeah, you didn't go to work, and it, it was all for nothing. <laughs> Tony, did you go to the game? Uh, I actually did not go to this game. Ah, okay. In a surprise move, I was unable to go. Twist, Shyamalan twist there. It, it is a real M night, <laughs> M night Shyamalan. Well, regardless of whether you went or not, it was I would say a night to remember for Bills Mafia, right? Of course, I will always remember it. Not only was this the perfect game on the field, but I feel like Billy Shakespeare himself couldn't have wrote a better better story here with well, well, with everything going on. Not only on the field, but off the field, you had like just just rattling them off before the game. Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas pumping up the crowd before kickoff while wearing Josh Allen and Devin Singletary jersey. Like that was a nice twist. I like that. Absolutely. Game the counterparts, I love it. Game recognized game. The goats recognize the new goats. Oh wow! Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, by definition, there cannot be more than one goat. <laughs> there can but be do, many goats. There, there can only there can only be one. Yes, I know. Goats and high goats and Highlanders. There can only be one. <laughs> the I did I did very much appreciate that was the moment that I was like, they think we've arrived. That validates that I'm ready to accept that we've arrived. Yeah, absolutely. That, like that's a statement they're making, and it is resonating with me deeply. Yeah, these legends, local legends, are are recognizing, hey, this this could be something special. These this new regime. Yes, the torch is truly being passed. Right, that is the true torch passing moment right there. Jim's come a long way from his sit down interviews with J.P. Lossman. <laughs> <laughs> now he's actually forced to support a quarterback who's good. Right. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> 
But JD Lossman has come a long way as well. Yes, he has, of for, course. For, He's perhaps, a perhaps XFL champion. To Jim Kelly. <laughs> probably, probably. Yes, that was a great uh, passing the torch moment. In the stands, we had fans cheering for three hours straight, despite what negative nine degree temperature, whatever it ended up being. One fan in particular stood out, though, Tony, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick himself. Shirtless now, in the crowd. Ryan future backup. I know him. I know him. I know, yeah. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, I know him. You, he's, know, you do. He's seemingly someone who should not be a fan. <laughs> Yet there he was, a fan, assuming it, following his heart, following his heart home. The man does love Buffalo. Who doesn't? Who does? Of who course does? he does. Of course he does. It's his favorite place. and Yeah, he's been... He's been very public to say that, but he made it really public on Saturday. <laughs> Shirtless yelling. Doesn't care. He's I'm out there with the people, too. He could have been in a suite. He's loving every minute of it. He could have been in a suite enjoying food and foot massage. I don't know what they get in the suites. Those are for rich people. But, or he uh, could have just watched it you know, in the locker room or something of the team he plays for. Or probably just on the sidelines. <laughs> not us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that was... Really cool to see. Kyle Brandt was there from Good Morning Football. Uh, oh, I want to say, too, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Wouldn't mind if he was our backup quarterback next year if we lose Trubisky. Just saying. Oh. Could be a little even, uh, Could be a little foretelling there. Oh, foreshadowing. I wouldn't mind yeah. that. Now, do you think that this will open up? This is what I've been thinking about with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Do you think that this will open up a new accepted norm of you can be an NFL player and be the fan of another team and just, like, go for it? Ooh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. Will, will, we, will they start to come out of the woodwork now? Did Ryan Fitzpatrick break the dam? If yeah. We go, if, if, we, if we continue our ride in the playoffs or all of a sudden there's going to be, I don't even know who, some other just, like, secret Bills-loving players that are just going to be out and about and around. Hmm, interesting. And then similarly for other teams. That are so... Looking that are still currently playing on another right, team. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. I mean, you question. could argue, it's like, well, maybe that happens, because, like, you know, Stefan Diggs is going to Cowboys games to see his brother. Right. But it's, Ryan Fitzpatrick is, like, well removed from, <laughs> yeah. from what we got going on here. So I, I'm curious, you know, if, if, if it might have seemed unprofessional if this is just, like, now will become uh, something more common. I, I can't wait, and I hope it does. Fitz is truly one of a kind in, in that department, because right. a lot of athletes leave their former teams on bad terms i'd say for example i don't see stefan gilmore like coming back here and being a crazy bills fan and he'd get booed out of here right <laughs> if he oh of course yeah like stefan gilmore and ryan fitzpatrick are not in the same that's what i'm saying like a lot of athletes i think are anything, yeah like, i don't think they're they're welcomed back by fans in a lot of cases if Especially if they go play yeah. for another team or, you know, have success somewhere else. Hmm, it's interesting. Is, Maybe it opens the floodgates. I don't know. Who's a former Bill next on the list other than Ryan Fitzpatrick? Who do you think? And this is a tough question to put you on the spot with, so I apologize. I wouldn't even go like, with who do you think is I wouldn't even go with line. a former Bill. Like I would go with of what could have been Bill. I would think if like Khalil Mack showed up. Oh. He would be like adored by the fans. Okay, that's a good and sensible thought process. Yeah. I could definitely see that if Khalil Mack shows up. He played college ball here obviously and Right, right. There's still like a outside chance I'm hoping the Bills trade for him next year or something. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like this could just be a recruiting thing and yeah, I don't I don't yeah, know like, for, like former game. former Bills that are still in the league. Mm-hmm. It, like, like Fitz is so Fitz, like again Fitz is such in a category of his own because of yeah. like his personality and his look and his his goofiness. I mean, it's just kind of like screams Buffalo. I'm trying to think of a player though. That's like that's a really good question. I would say if like Stevie was still in the league, he'd be in that category. 
Stevie, as you remember, actually did do that in a in a sense. If you remember, like when they had that event at the stadium to reveal the new uniforms, yeah, the navy blues, and Stevie Johnson went just as a fan because it was during like a like a CBA negotiation or something, like he couldn't go in, and so he just went. He just like went as a fan and sat in the stands. So that shows his willingness. Yeah. In that sense. Do you have a former player in mind? Uh, I didn't have one in mind. I, I've been trying to think as I just came up with this question. I just don't know. Me, I just don't know what, like, we had so many bad teams for so long. There's not a lot of former players to, like, pick from. I was thinking maybe another another quarterback. I would wonder if Matt Barkley would do it. Yeah, that would be Matt it. Barkley, yeah, like, with such a closeness with so many members of the team. Right. Or Lee Smith also had that closeness. Yeah. And okay. now plays for another team. Yeah, but I but I think Matt Barkley and Liam both a little too professional. Like I don't know if they think they could get away with that. Also, just being in the stands. Also, I don't think like those two guys get the pop. Yeah, they're adored by their teammates, but do they get the same Mm -hmm. reaction from the crowd? I doubt it. I love I love Matt Barkley. I would flip if I saw Matt Barkley. I do too, but he's not he's not like taking a shirt off and yelling kind of guy, is he? I don't. don't Well, no, I don't. I don't believe he's that. (laughs) We're limiting the answer to this question. Just he loves hibachi grills. I know that. Oh wow! 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 Now we're now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty here. Yeah, like come the off season, this is the direction the podcast needs to go. <laughs> yes, about... it's going to be food preferences, nights oh, out, no players. Yeah, <laughs> players, nights out, talking players. It's just going to be what personal like. life. Yeah, personal yeah. life stuff. That's the off season for you, listeners. Right. This is witty, not funny. After dark, we get off the field and start getting real. Yes, much like Big Brother After Dark. Right, which I love. I love. The, I like Big Brother. That's after the good Dark stuff. More than I do Big Brother. Of course, yeah, that's the good. That is the good stuff. Who doesn't? It's better than I think it's better than Big Brother. Everyone thinks that. Um, what else do we have, Tony? We had Fitzpatrick. We had Jim Kelly. We had uh, Thurman, and we also had a uh, adult toy on the field for round two. Um, well, that's a tradition like no other. Tradition like no other. Bills fans never disappoint in that way. So, yeah, I mean, this game had, had everything. When we had Pat on last week from Patriots Nation podcast, he talked about how, like, the Patriots beat the Bills and went on to get blown out, like, the next round of the playoffs. He wouldn't care as long as they beat the Bills. And at the time, I was kind of like, yeah, but the Bills played such a perfect game, Tony, that I, I want more. Like, <laughs> I want I want it all now. And it's, and it's a tough line to dangle because the history of the organization and the history of being a scorned Bills fan – but if the Bills play the way they did Saturday night, like every round of this playoffs, in the immortal words of one Theodore Geisel, oh, the places we could go, Tony. <laughs> That's exactly it. And like you said, with wanting more, the question is, was this the Patriots? Did it Was it just the perfect game plan against a game plan that was way off? Or have we figured, have we cracked the recipe? Right. Have we figured out the secret sauce? Have we put it all together? Is this... Yeah, like have we have we put it all together right here, right now, right. and we just gotta ride this baby out. That time will tell, I suppose. Yeah. Also, pessimistic Bills fan, scorn Bills fan, and me also is worried that we got all the good stuff out. <laughs> but that, that's the thing. Like all year, despite the good and the bad and the preseason talk and the roller coaster regular season, you continuously fell back at least i did i continuously fell back on this roster is really good if they just put it together if they stop shooting themselves in the foot if they execute mm-hmm. and now if they stop trying to execute dumb ideas yeah running on second it. and long right stop with dumb ideas stop making the wrong people inactive right let Boogie Basham take care of business and get out of the way. That's what it was. It was, could the Bills just get out of their own way? It's, and now right. it seems like, 
And I mean, and that's both metaphorically and literally, as we were seeing so many mistakes of, you know, the Bills not blocking right, Bills running into their own players. That was an allegory <laughs> for the season at one point. Yeah, I was going to say, get out of our I was going to say, are you talking about uh, one particular player who kept running into his players when you say couldn't get out of our own way? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it do, it does seem it does seem like they're firing on all cylinders here at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what now five straight wins, and it just seems like they're clicking. They, uh, I think we should start with in this game in particular the offense. Well, Dr- seven for seven on drive, seven touchdowns, perfect game. Um, yep. Other than the kneel down at the end, w- was this the best game you've seen Josh play? Because it just seemed to me like he was in a zone all game, like just completely comfortable. Not the overly emotional, the uh, sometimes spastic one podcast says hit all the buttons on the controller kind of play that Josh Allen brings. He just seemed completely comfortable. Was Dable playing the long con with us? Was he saving it all for this moment for this playoffs? Was he saving it all for the day before he had an interview? <laughs> yeah. Like, is that, is like, that, is that, is that is true? The, the fixers in on this. Cause it looked like the offense of, of last year. We got McKenzie and involved. Time. We got, and then some we were, we were getting in space. We now have a running game to li- to rely on right. as well. Like, and to the end, then some. Yeah, that's the evolution that I've been looking for all season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's been nice this past month, but I really just thought it all came together this game for him against against a really I wouldn't say a really good team because I think the Bills were clearly better than them on Saturday and clearly on paper a much better roster than the Patriots are. But the Patriots were a, a top five DVOA team on defense, and the Bills I don't know it was child's play for the offense it was it was one of the most embarrassing games that a defense ever did I think they were embarrassed in in history yeah it was was historic how we took this defense of the Patriots that was supposed to be good and and it it didn't matter made them look like a pop warner it was insane Josh again more touchdowns than incompletions they just had like a silly stat lines this game Josh It it just never ended no. Every, every play, you could do what we could do whatever we want. Every play was going to hit in some way. Right. It didn't matter. We had, and I would put that on the effectiveness of the offensive line. Got to shout out to my man, Ryan Bates. Of Ryan course. Rick Bates. Did you see? Bringing, I put it on Twitter. The king got his crown. He, after the touchdown, yeah. put on the chicken wing hat. <laughs> of course. And that's the kind of. Of course, that that's a testament that no one has more fun than Buffalo, and that's the testament that uh, with this offensive line, like I think that's kind of like what clicked in, and then all the other sides of the puzzle piece have clicked in because the offensive line is now that engine that's going to be able to drive things. A nice athletic offensive line that lets us really even more diversify the offense, which is you know is what we were looking for all season, especially when we were recording the weeks after losses. Yeah, and so that's why that's why I look to the receiving line where he completed to nine different receivers and they were all diversely all over the field josh could do what he wanted he's got no looks he's going across his body he's going long he's going short he's going in the flat and it was always working they couldn't defend everything at a given time so once it all just broke down into that we could have our way with them and of course i'm gonna say like a broken record you integrate isaiah mckenzie in here guy has 45 yards but on only three receptions so he and three targets so being able to use him correctly opens up the whole offense absolutely and that was just one of many examples of how one one chess piece is moved and then that opens up the whole offense and, and that's kind of like the philosophically what we've been trying to do with the running game with okay we're gonna give it to single but josh also is gonna be extremely involved in the running game and then hopefully 
that sort of like one decoys for the other, which mm-hmm. is dependent. Uh, it depends on the situation. But like it seems like the hope was if we can get Josh in the running game, then that'll open up the running game for the real running backs. Right. And maybe that does seem to have happened, where Josh had a very effective game on the ground, and Devin Singletary also had a pretty effective game on the ground, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of Josh's was improvisational i mean there was some design designs in there but in that first drive he busted out like a 25 yard run he goes through his reads and just takes off and it was funny jordan porter was mic'd up and he he talked about how josh is just like some big ass doofy quarterback and i'm like yeah yeah jordan porter like we knew that all along (laughs) i'm glad you're embracing it now because we've embraced it for two years now right you and i like he he's oh, his spirit animals the 50 year old dad trying to be cool at, at their kids dance like that's what we wanted a quarterback that's what we wanted a quarterback exactly yeah. I, I want the big goofy guy right of course and i want my safeties to be like jordan foyer oh absolutely yeah absolutely, absolutely yeah like that like that give me that contrast in the locker room but they're both the kind of personality that will embrace each other yeah was this like the quintessential josh has arrived game well, it kind of remains to be seen, but I think that this is the game that, you know, I'm, I, I guess I have to say yes, because if you're a pundit, if you're someone who's analyzing Josh's play or has been analyzing Josh's play, if you weren't a believer, B-I-L-L believer, mm-hmm. then, and you're still not a Josh believer after this game, then you're just doing it for clicks. Like, this is obviously, you're just grifting and gaslighting. There's no way that you that you're honestly believing that this is that this is what's happening. What the proof? What 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 more proof do you need? Right. Yeah. It's here. This is it. Yeah. It's weird to talk about a Bills player being the best player in the league, but I think we <laughs> kind of have that conversation now. It, it's we it's, can definitely have that it's weird. There's yeah, like something. There's some things like you you won't see it till you believe it. Right. Like Haley's Comet, Love at First Sight, Elvis is Really Dead. I'm not believing these things till I see it. Josh Allen, a Bills player, being the best player in the league. I didn't want to believe it till I saw it, and I kind of saw it Sunday, like or Saturday, yeah. Saturday night. He's, I think he's one of the best players in the league, if not the best. He just brings like so much to the table. We talk about every week, like he always makes a handful of plays that are just jaw dropping. You like that first touchdown pass to Dawson Knox, where he just flips it up <laughs> in the back corner. Where it was an accidental touchdown. Accidental touchdown, but he also shrugs off a potential sack and is off balance and falling out of balance and he just kind of flicks it up there and you just you just kind of grimace like i can't even cheer at that stuff i cheer eventually but i just i just kind of snicker at just like man that that guy plays for the bills (laughs) that's that's amazing (laughs) the gabe davis touch the gabe davis touchdown pass was if you look at that from like the behind angle that is a silly pass like he is moving left throwing to a guy moving right sidearm throw an incredible play on the Gabe Davis pass he putting it only where his guy can catch it Dawson Knox putting it only where his guy can catch it on the second touchdown where Dawson kind of bodies the guy in the end zone Josh just was on another level on Saturday night usually when we remember a Josh Allen performance good or bad we tend to basically just sort of remember the highlights and say like wow it's crazy that a real life human being did that in front of our eyes right but this is like it's not like we're forgetting the low light and it's not like we're forgetting the brushed off bad stuff there really objectively wasn't any no the guy had foreign completion right there's nothing we're forgetting and omitting here no. this was it this was the it was performance insane. this to- was the perfect game and tony we watched it did you look into his eyes he he wants it Oh, I know. Like he like was the first time I heard the Beatles. <laughs> well, the Beatles stink. So okay. 
I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is another discussion for another time. That is I, an off-season podcast. I am not a fan of the Beatles. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but those close-up camera shots, you, you saw it. You, a lot of times you see Josh, you can see the emotion in his face, through his eyes. Like, he's frustrated. He's hyped up on adrenaline. Like, you can tell, like, he just seems so calm and focused and determined. And you remember the Matrix when, like, Neo kind of realizes he's the one and he stops the bullets and he jumps into Smith. And, like, like Josh kind of had that stopping bullets moment to me. To me, that moment was articulated, if you remember, after the deep pass to Stefan Digg. And then they took a timeout to avoid to avoid the delay of game. Coach took the timeout. And immediately Josh just starts screaming at Stefan Diggs, let's fucking go, baby, let's fucking go, baby. <laughs> like, that was the only that I'm like, Josh knows what's going on. Like, Josh knows it's on. Josh knows everything is in place right now. Josh knows, like, it's it's there. Josh knows tonight's the night. That was the only that I'm like, oh, yeah. I like what I'm seeing out of Josh. Right. Big time. Yeah. And, and, he, and he knows he likes what everyone's giving him. Yeah. It was kind of like. We're all here to we're all here to take what everyone's giving him. Yeah. What did he say during the second Patriots game? Like, they don't know who they were dealing with or something along those lines. Like, they don't know they who, I, who I was. They yeah. forgot who I was. Yeah, that's that right. seems to be the message that is carrying throughout the last month of the year and these playoffs. Mm. It's time to put us on the map. Yeah. So what you're saying is we should all email josh.allen at <laughs> nfl.build.com. Oh, is that his email? Oh. And I don't know. I think that's the format of NFL employee emails. That makes sense. And and just remind him about everything from the Chiefs game last year. Any any bulletin board fodder. Yeah. So we remember the revenge game that is coming that is coming for us. Yeah. And then take that same email to Stefan Diggs and send him just yeah hit, hit hit resend on the picture of him with his hands on his head watching the Chiefs celebrate. Looking yeah. off into the, their celebration. Yep. We just do it yeah. all. It could be a blind carbon copy. <laughs> Anything else about Josh? I mean, he's amazing. He was amazing. He is amazing. Yeah, I want to. I, mean, I want to adopt him as my son. Uh, you're gonna have to get in line because <laughs> right. he's like all of our sons. Every every time, just in talking to him, it, it is like he's all of our sons. Because what do we say? We say Josh was amazing. Yes. Like we know him. It's just he's just Josh. It just seemed different. Like he's, our, like he's our kid, or like he's on our kids' team. It seemed different most of the times. He's amazing. And I was also, I was listening to Ross Tucker earlier today on the radio. Oh, yeah. He was talking about like how Josh has really had his ups and downs this year and struggled. And I'm, what are you talking about? Yeah, like the offensive line has been really bad. He, he kept pointing mm-hmm. to the Jacksonville game. And I think we discussed this in a in a previous podcast. To me, it's like Josh is doing everything he can to make a play. Right. If the offensive line isn't blocking and there's 300 pound defensive guys draped on him and whatever, and he forces a pass because he's trying to do something. I, I don't know. Josh has been really good this year. So. I I couldn't agree more. Like he has had. A stupendous year. And I don't know what game everybody's watching to say yeah. Josh is having his ups and downs. The Bills holistically may be ups and downs. Oh, yeah. Right. But Josh is, like, like you said, like Josh is trying to fill in the gaps. The question is, are there too many gaps for Josh to fill at a given time or not? Right. On Saturday night, there were no exactly. gaps. Exactly. Yep. We were just carousing. <laughs> yes. We bypassed the gaps. Went right to. And I don't, yeah. Went right to the Abercrombie and Fitch. And I don't. <laughs> We bypassed the gaps, <laughs> and we wound up at FYE, and that was that that was down. That was when the line was a little bit shuffled around. Then we got ourselves out of FYE, found our way to Old Navy. Things are on the up and up. <laughs> always, <laughs> always up and up in Old Navy. Those performance fleeces are great. Absolutely, saved my ass a time or two. Uh, absolutely, saved all our asses. 
Tony, moving on from Josh Allen, let's talk about the run game and Devin Singletary. Again, a huge game from Motor with that offensive line in front of him. 81 yards, two touchdowns in the passing game. Mr. Boring to you, right? Are we, are we, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. are we ready I, I to you talk about him that way? Swish the man that to is the a side. King. <laughs> I've never said anything bad about Devin Singletary. Never. He's a king. He walks him, he walks amongst us, but he is great. Run the tape back. Oh, He's never liked said... him. I've liked him ever since we drafted him. I never would say anything bad about him. How the turntables have turned on Tony and Devin Singletary. Mm. <laughs> we, we mentioned the, the run game, his success. How he's kind of finding, I don't even want to say his rhythm, but you know, how, how Devin got his groove back, as we said in the previous podcast. And not only the vision, the, the touchdown, the first touchdown run was an incredible sequence. Him just seeing the vision to bounce outside uh, after a great block by Reggie Gilliam. And I can't stress that enough how important Reggie Gilliam has been to the resurgence of this run game. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Give number 41, Maction himself, Reggie Gilliam, some credit. In this run game, I think he deserves a lot. And I put on Twitter how far we've come, Tony. Two years ago, Texans wildcard game, we had a non-athletic, not playmaker whatsoever guy running a go route to help us try to win the game with no chance of success whatsoever, all while missing blocks along the way throughout the season. Now we have this Mac God, Reggie Gilliam, (laughs) come into our (laughs) lives and change the face of the game. But not only has he been great, Devin Singletary has been great, as I mentioned. And it's not only him in the run game, it's him in other aspects of the game that I noticed in this Patriots game, and that is his blocking ability. Tony, I've always been a big fan of Devin Singletary's blocking ever since Frank Gore was on the team, and I thought Devin Singletary learned a lot from Frank Gore in terms of blitz pickups and in protecting Josh Allen in that aspect. And it's been tenfold this season. There was there was an Isaiah McKenzie sweep play in the first quarter with Devin Singletary as the lead blocker on the sweep play, taking out, I forget who it was, I think it was Bentley on the Patriots, but kind of just trucking him down the field to open up the lane for McKenzie on the sweep. There was a blitz pickup on a, on a, a touchdown pass. I think it was Sanders' touchdown pass, I believe. But Devin Singletary's blocking really stood out to me, not only his success in the run game. Tony, give the guy credit. That's that's my RB one. I I know he's not yours. That's my RB one. I have to give credit. He is now. I think I have to give credit where credit is due. He can have multiple carries. He's not single carry to me <laughs> single anymore. Carry. He's he's okay. I'm he's win, he's he's winning me over, and I'm like good. I want to see what Devin Singletary can do. I want to see if we can do another one of those bounce outside runs. That's a play that you mentioned that got me really excited, and that's the play that I think kind of turned my heart uh, towards Devin Singletary in in what he can bring to the table because I used to think it was essentially nothing, but <laughs> no, now. It might be something. It might be something. And uh, it might be something very significant that determines how far the Bills go in this playoff run here. We talk about just having a, a plan B. They didn't have that last year. And we'll talk about the Chiefs game and the AFC Championship last year with, with Taylor coming up here. But there was no run game. There was no plan B. And and now we have not only this, I, w- I wouldn't even call it like a dominant run game because it's far from that. I would say a, a, a successful run game. Devin Singletary in the first matchup with the Chiefs in the regular season, week five, 25 yards on six carries. Josh Allen was our leading rusher that game. And we, we can't stress enough how this is coming together with not only the invigorated offensive line, but how, how big of that uh, a part of the success of the run game that offensive line is. And it starts with the wing king himself, Ryan Rick Bates. 
course. I, I'm almost mad at Sean McDermott for subjecting us to any Cody Ford play this year, knowing we had Ryan Rick Bates and waiting, and we've called for it. I don't know what it was that was holding McDermott back. I don't know if he was saving them for this playoff run, <laughs> like just to keep them fresh. They, they had this ace up their sleeve in Ryan Rick Bates. I'm I'm mad at Sean McDermott. Mm. It's interesting you say that because I wasn't in my mind that I'm going to be mad at Sean McDermott. I was directing my anger to the person that I always direct my anger to, Mr. Brian, Brian Dable. Yeah. Yeah, like I was I was seeing that more as like why is Dable playing him in. Yeah. yeah. A little the, bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. What what they can do now with Bates in there though, being more athletic, obviously. Oh, yeah. The schemes are way different now. The schemes are way different. In all, in all the right ways. Yeah, the spacing is way different. They they are very successful in those pull plays where like Morse and Bates and Brown are using their athleticism to pull and get to the second level and create space for guys like Singletary who is are, are very good in space beating guys one on one or McKenzie who can beat guys one on one with just his speed just give him the space to do it. It's so much different this offense by just inserting one guy. It's it's kind of crazy to me. <laughs> let the Bills do what they let every Bill do what they do. This is what we've been trying to say in essence really and now with now we're letting Bates do what he does and it's paying dividends for the whole team just like if we will let Josh do what he does it's gonna end up paying dividends for the whole team I think it allows everyone to kind of do what they do right well that's well it it does allow everyone to do what they do but I'm saying now this now you're we're letting Ryan Bates do what he does and it's allowing the offensive line to get so much more athletic and dynamic right and it's just a trickle it's just a trickle down right like yeah that's exactly what I'm saying like Josh couldn't do what he does because the offensive line was so bad right so now that the offensive line is good and they're doing what they do now josh can do what he do and it all just works yeah see you get it i get it you get it i don't know why they don't get it do what you do that's on your t-shirt yeah let let them do what they do let them do what they do i think the other part of this equation obviously is is the mitch morris mitch morris yes uh no (laughs) i was gonna say and he's been very good mitch morris i know he has that's what that's what i'm saying like i think bates has opened up Mitch Morse to being a lot better. I've noticed a stark difference in Morse. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's been very, very good. And revenge game uh, coming up for KC. Mitch Morse revenge game. I was going to say how nice it is to have a full run of wide receivers, more toys in the toy chest <laughs> to unleash. I kind of saw it coming before the game. Like uh, there was this vibe in the air. Emmanuel Sanders could do something this game and everyone kind of did something, but like I was happy to have Sanders back. And, uh, and I think having him out for the, the last month of the year, pretty much, I think that allowed Dable to carve out how he wants this offense to run and how he wants snaps delegated and how he can best utilize these players. I mean, it it wasn't that Sanders is back. Now Gabe Davis is going to take a backseat. It wasn't Cole Beasley's back now at least for this playoff game, because McKenzie did take a backseat for the final two weeks of the season. But <laughs> but it just goes back to the previous point of maybe they were just saving it all for the playoffs of what their full Pokemon evolution could be. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. I don't. I, I would say that... It's just nice uh, to have five I, guys who can do some damage. Oh, absolutely. We always knew on this podcast... And six if that, you count nine. That, right, that they had those guys that could do some damage. I think that they have even more guys that can do damage. I think that we still haven't gotten there. I'm almost wondering... If, if if on Sunday night, what's the middle ground here between a strong Chiefs defense that has, you know, what can be a disruptive defensive front, a disruptive defensive line, and if they're successful 
this year like they were last year at shutting down the wide receiver, our wide receiver group. Well, does that only leave kind of the middle ground here? Do we start to see a heavy reliance on a Matt Breida screen game? No. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Breida will be, he won't even be active. Tony, let's let's, right. let's be real here. We'll, we'll find out. When McDermott finds success, thing. he rolls with it. You're right. We he know that. Does. Like, there's not he a lot of changes unless, in the inactives, and unless your name is Boogie Basham, because that guy delivers every time, and he still is consistently. <laughs> this is a big like Boogie Boogie there. praise show. <laughs> I'm a big Boogie guy. I know you are. I don't. I don't see it yet. Oh my gosh. I mean, he oh did have a sack. Eyes. It was an effort play. It was a covered sack. I'm just not seeing the dynamic player that, I mean, he is a rookie and I get it. And he's right. He's been very limited this year. So he hasn't probably seen the, the snap count. We'd expect most second round players in the NFL receive, but I don't know. Like he, he's okay. I still, I still think he should do the reverse Epinesa instead of losing all the weight, gain a bunch of weight and just be a, like a super athletic one technique. <laughs> like, mm. I would like to well, see I that. I do not want that. <laughs> I definitely want that. <laughs> Like just well, I, just put on 30 pounds and just go to work. <laughs> put on 30 pounds, but also be as good as you are in that moment before you were 30 pounds heavier. He'll be a better. He'll be a better everybody. version of him. No. Imagine Vernon Butler, but good. <laughs> Picture it, Tony. Is Vernon Butler? He, he, that's a, that's a name I forgot about. You should have. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is a name that I totally forgot about. Was no, he, I like Boogie. Was he even active? I don't even know if he was active. I feel like he hasn't been active in a long time. Not on this podcast. But I, yeah, yeah, he hasn't been active for us. That's a good point. That's for sure. Um, but I think he has been active. We just haven't seen him. He has not been. He's not been noticeable. You know. That's not good. Yeah, I know it's not not uh, good. It does not bode well. What else about the defense? I mean, Hyde making an incredible play on the Patriots. Oh, of course. How could how could we first drive? How could have gone this long? without bringing up the Hyde interception, of course. Taron Johnson's interception against the Ravens last year or Hyde's interception against the Patriots this year? Well, Taron Johnson all day. Yeah, right. I, I on that one. I, I mean, come on. Yeah. The Taron Johnson, one of the best plays, like, ever. Like, that for forever. Organizational, be, yeah. Will be down there, yeah. Or, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Although Hyde's interception was incredible. It was... It was an amazing I, play. As the ball was I'm in the gonna, air, I'm yelling, "Where is the safety?" Because I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't think a safety is gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Like I see Hyde, I'm like, "No way he gets there." I'm mad at him for being out of position, but he covers so much ground in such a short time and makes an incredible catch on top of it. Yeah, it was an amazing play. Yeah, it was insane. He came out of, he came at lightning speed out of nowhere. Like if I see, where, where's that Micah Hyde on punt return? We saw it this, kind of we saw it like, Saturday. Yeah. He had a, he oh, had a well, couple nice punt returns. He actually did have some nice punt returns. I don't know why I'm downplaying that because actually like of all the successes of Saturday, that was something, he did have some nice punt returns. Um, obviously, like, obviously one very nice punt return, but yeah, like that's okay. Although I am consistently scared to death with like a high returning punt. I wish it was a player a little bit less important. <laughs> right. We, we all do. But I think yeah. I think with Hyde back there, you obviously get a, a comfort. <laughs> um, oh, 100%. And with that comfort comes my mental comfort that he's going to make the right decision and not like a nail biting, like, oh, he should have fair caught it. Now he's going to get popped kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he's always going to be like, if I can return it, if I have the space, like, I'll try to do something. But even if there's an iota of like, an inkling of doubt that I can get any yard, I'm going to fair catch. I, I feel yeah. confident Hyde is a, Micah Hyde's a smart enough player to 
not put me in that nail biting situation. Uh, I would think, yeah. I mean, that's why he's back there is his ball skills. So at least you know there's not going to be that, and and we're never really going to be relying on him. Now it's easy for us to say because he was back there, he was doing his thing. Regardless of if Mike Hyde made that interception or returned that punt return all the way, I feel pretty confident we would have won either way. Yeah, absolutely. So it's easy for us to say now. <laughs> right, it is easier for us to say now, but. No, I mean, those safeties are going to be of the utmost importance. And it, it, I, I feel like the whole defense kind of hinges on them, especially in this Chiefs game where mm-hmm. we saw earlier in the season when the Bills beat the Chiefs, a lot of too high safety, and they were making plays left and right. Hyde obviously had the pick six. But now there's the added factor of no Tredavious White. So I, I love Levi. I love Dane. I thought, you know, they've been playing really well. On that Micah Hyde interception, Levi did get burnt by Nelson Aguilar. So now we're talking about Levi guarding Tariq Hill, and, and that's a matchup that scares me to death. Me too. Um, me too. So those safeties are going to have to be uh, – there's going to have to be quite a good scheme from Frazier. There's going to have to be really good execution from the players, and I think it all depends on those safeties. I think, I think it's going to kind of be looking at – just the personnel alone. I think it's going to kind of be the same. They played it in the regular season, just capitalize off mistakes, a flat four rush, not a lot of blitzing. And hopefully, you know, we can just eliminate explosive plays and, you know, we, we, we turn the table and we, we have the same explosive plays ourselves. So yeah. And Matt Milano is going to really have to step up in coverage. I mean, he's good at coverage, obviously, but this is like, if he doesn't, it's going to be bad. Yeah, no. It, it With Trey out, like it's really going to, I assume, yeah. it's really going to be more on, for the way that the Chiefs play, for the Chiefs personnel, it's going to be more falling back towards Matt Milano's shoulders. And that's kind of what has me cautiously pessimistic. It's like, oh man, right. Matt Milano better step up. Right. We saw how much Matt Milano struggled against tight ends last year. Mm. Kelsey had over 100, 115 yards, 118 yards. I think he ended up with, with two touchdowns and struggled against Jack Doyle in the wildcard round. And despite Mac Jones this game not being great, Hunter Henry did get open on one catch. Milano made a heck of a play, tipped the ball on a Levi Wallace interception. I think it's going to be important to get aggressive with the Chiefs. Like, oh, yeah. To, to jam Kelsey at the line, get them off their route trees, get the timing off, and rely on those safeties over the top, honestly. So I, I do think Matt Milano is probably, if you ask me like who I think the most important player in terms of the who, who can help the Bills win, it's, it's going to be Matt Milano. It, it's going to be on him. See, that's where I actually want to take it to the next level. I don't know which player it will be. Maybe I'm going to say Boogie Basham. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that someone on the front four needs to be like a Frank Clark. Someone on, like some we we need Miami Dolphins that, that, AJ Epinesa back. Right. Yeah. Yes, we need. Yeah, we need Dolphins AJ Epinesa. Like if someone on the front four is becoming that person that is going to just sort of unhinge the front four is getting the pressure. That pressure is what we need. And I don't know if we're going to have the skills and means to do it. You know, by committee. Like some like some something needs to fall into place for the front four that we can get that kind of pressure that uh, will be necessary. It's, Maybe it's AJ Vanessa. Maybe it's Boogie Basham. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not either of those guys. I I you know who I really hope it is Jerry Hughes and Oliver. Oh yeah, he was kind of quiet um, Saturday. Yeah, I agree. Like Star had a sack. Boogie had a sack. Uh-huh. Harrison Phillips made a couple nice plays in the run game. Like mm-hmm. I thought Ed was a little quiet for as good a season as he had. So me too. 
I'm looking for the way that the nation is talking about Josh Allen and what happened last weekend. You want them talking want, the same way about it. I want them talking about Ed Oliver like yeah. that. I want them to say, is Ed Oliver the next Aaron Donald like we thought he was when we drafted him? Is it, has that happened? Yeah. I want that to be the discussion on Good Morning Football. Is, has it happened? That'd be a great discussion. That's I know. That'd be a great <laughs> discussion. But it has to be, he's got to earn it. It has to be merited. Absolutely. So let's see it on Oliver. This, this is a message to Ed Oliver. Get off your horse. Yeah, get off your horse. <laughs> Tony, anything? Get back on it because, as you know, my dream is for uh, him to ride in the stadium. My dream is for him to ride out of the tunnel on his horse (laughs) while being introduced. Tony, anything else about this game that stood out to you? I mean, it was a pretty dominant performance on the Bills. uh, Yeah, very dominant performance. I mean, everybody stood out. That was that's the beauty of it is that everybody stood out. Everyone played their part. Right. Everyone played their part and was successful. So really what stood out to me is that is the diversity is that everyone was used. Everyone was used successfully. I love that there was um, Tommy Doyle getting in the mix. I love that Reggie Gilliam was getting in the mix. I want, I want more people in the mix. I want more personnel in the mix. Always do it all the time. All the time. Always do it. With that, we'll wrap up our game review. When we get back after a word from our sponsor, we'll have Taylor Witt from the It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom podcast back for uh, the third time. I think, what's the gift for third timers, Tony? A jacket? A vest? Personali- uh, personalized item? Yeah, I mean, I was custom kind of thinking, like, a brooch. <laughs> okay, a brooch. I like that. Let's a go. Lovely, let's go. Yeah, brooch. Lovely brooch. <laughs> Maybe some kind of lovely brooch that can then be clipped onto a belt clip, and it can also be a belt buckle. Ooh, that's a great. I'm just, that, I'm just Maybe put that in the Witty Not Funny store. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Listeners, when we get back, uh, we'll be joined by uh, Taylor. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold, thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now, back to the show. back listeners we now welcome to the show for the third time right taylor i think that's uh, right you are the first the first member of our three timers club on the winning out funny sports podcast it is taylor Witt from the it's always sunny in chiefs kingdom podcast taylor how you doing i am doing great uh it is there's no better time than right now to be talking some football i'm glad to join you guys welcome back to the show it is the, the, the matchup that does not seem to ever escape us or we seem to circumvent. We always seem to get the cheese in these crucial moments to uh, to the Bills playoff run and our, our Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, can, can you guys stop being good for like a year? Maybe so. Back at you, man. I mean, this is, you know, this is what happens when you've got the two best quarterbacks in the game is they're going to inevitably meet over and over again in big games. Um, I have a feeling that this is going to be the case for the next decade or so, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's not, but also if it is, that is a good sign as well. Taylor, the last time we spoke was prior to the AC Championship last year, where the Chiefs put uh, uh, quite the beat down on the Bills, 38-24. It was, it was kind of like a, a humbling moment as a Bills fan. I'm sure it was a humbling moment for the, the Bills organization, the team, to kind of see what bar they needed to reach. And they've done a lot supposedly in the off season to meet that bar that the chiefs have set. 
and and now we are here in this divisional round of the playoffs and what has changed the bills got their revenge earlier in the year in the regular season and prime time defeating a chiefs team that a lot of people in the media said weren't in the right headspace we're, we're trying to figure things out uh, a lot of too deep cover to whatever whatever defense teams were throwing at them that the Bills threw at them that they couldn't figure out. It seems like they have fixed the error of their ways going into the playoffs here, playing some of the best football that I've watched to end the season. So do you, do you think just off the bat, is this is this playoff game going to be different than not only the AC championship last year, but the, the regular season game from earlier this year? And how is it going to be different for the Chiefs? Yeah, there have been a ton of changes throughout the year. As you said, um, the Chiefs started off and really didn't have any sort of clue what they were doing on defense. Their personnel was a lot different than it is now, and they didn't really have confidence. And they were playing a lot of good teams right in a row and just getting beat in every single week. And, you know, now they've kind of they figured out some stuff. Um, with their personnel rotation and they've made some subs they made a trade for Melvin Ingram that's really helped and quite frankly they're just they just have that confidence that championship confidence that they had in 2019 when they won the Super Bowl and it's definitely I would be shocked if they come out in this game and get run over the way they did in week five that was 15 weeks ago there's a lot of stuff that's changed since then Um, I, I just think that the defense is the side of the ball that is night and day different compared to the week five game. The offense, they were doing some dumb stuff. They were, you know, some of those turnovers bounced off of Chiefs and and the fumbles were bad, just kind of stuff that um, they've done throughout the 2021 season a lot, which is shoot themselves in the foot. But they tend to kind of clean all that up when the playoffs come around. They, they kind of sleepwalk through the regular season a little bit sometimes and then really wake up when the lights are brightest. And that's – I expect this game to go down to the wire. I think this is certainly going to be – a a matchup to remember this could I mean this could be a shootout I, I saw the ref crew has like the least amount of pass interferences called and penalty so I mean I I hope the the result is different I think I think the Chiefs ended up winning that game but that Rams Chiefs Monday night game which was like 100 plus points total between the two teams. the Rams won that game 54 51 that's right and the, that's the Chiefs right. had the yeah. highest score by a losing team in NFL history and yeah that was back and forth for you know the entire game that's people say that's the best regular season NFL game of all time. Um, yeah. I would have loved to have been on the winning side of the best regular season game of all time, but it was uh, it was a shootout. And these teams are certainly both capable of, of doing another 50 burger each. I mean, they're the offenses are loaded. I wouldn't be surprised if we, we get close to that this game. I mean, these offenses seem to be clicking, uh, both clicking on, or firing on all cylinders, I should say. I mean, if they're firing off on all cylinders, then Taylor, what is, uh, like what's going to be the factor that the Bills offense should look out for on defense. Last year, of course, I have just nightmares of Josh Allen <laughs> under duress all the time, constantly in the in the championship game. Should I expect that again? Should we in Bills Mafia expect that again? Is there another player that we have to scheme around this year in the new scheme that, um, that the Chiefs defense has adapted to? Who should we be looking out for? Who should we be avoiding? Well, I'll tell you one guy that is going to make a big difference compared to the week five and who I already mentioned him earlier, and that's Melvin Ingram. And he was all in the Bills backfield in the week one uh, loss to the Steelers and is just he plays with an edge that the Chiefs really, really needed, not only because he's a good player, but because he because they had this idea early in the year of playing Chris Jones on the outside because they figured he's so dynamic in the middle. If we can get an edge rusher like him 
you know, maybe he gets the quarterback more often. Um, he really struggled as an edge rusher. It was just not a technique that he was used to. And teams have, they tend to have better tackles than guards for the most part. People put the, the offensive talent at the tackle position more often. And so he was facing harder, you know, harder rushing challenges on the outside. They bump him back in the middle when Melvin Ingram comes here and he just gets back to doing exactly what made him an all pro before that from the middle. So I really think the defensive line, well, and also Frank Clark, who was sick and unhealthy for basically the first half of the year, kind of got his feet back under him and has been the Frank Clark, frankly, frankly, that uh, the Chiefs expected when they traded for him from Seattle, where he's been also in the backfield, also making things happen and, and kind of living up to that big um, salary that he has. So the defensive line is is the key to the Chiefs defense. Absolutely. If they're getting pressure, if they're doing what they did last year um, in the championship game, um, that's how the defensive backs can make some plays on a ball that's thrown under duress or something. I mean, if they're not getting any pressure and a quarterback's allowed to sit back there, no defense in the league is going to be able to, to hang with Bill's wide receivers or really any competent offense for very long. So if they can get some pressure, that's really the key to the Chiefs winning on defense. I don't know if they can do it. I mean, obviously, you guys saw when the Bills are clicking. I mean, there's not much any defense can do to, to stop that guy and stop the seven straight touchdown drives and all that stuff. So um, they're certainly going to need to come up with one or two big plays on defense. I don't think they can do it all night, but they're going to need to do it when it matters. Yeah, and that's what they did in the regular season, too. I mean, Gregory Rousseau mm -hmm. made a really big play. And you mentioned a guy, Chris Jones, who didn't play when the Bills first met the Chiefs in, in the regular season here. And what a difference he's made for that defense, of course. Uh, uh, flipping to the offensive side of the ball, the guy I've noticed has made a huge difference. Derek McKinnon uh, has, has come on really strong for the Chiefs in the absence of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and his injury. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say I'm surprised I saw this coming because it's a guy who – the Niners gave $30 million to at one point. So they obviously yep. saw something in him and uh, he was pretty dynamic when he was with the Vikings as well. So talk about his kind of emergence here late in the season and what it's meant to this Chiefs offense. And quite frankly, in both the running game and the passing game, I think he was the second leading receiver last week uh, in the wildcard game. He was, uh, he was a element to the offense that they've been missing, which is, speed and burst out of the backfield. Clyde's a, a nice player and he has good vision and can make some things happen, but he's not a home run threat. He is not a, his longest rush in his career is 31 yards. So he doesn't really, you know, he, he's not a type of guy that is going to take one to the house. And McKinnon's absolutely that guy. He, uh, he mentioned his time with uh, Minnesota and San Francisco, you know, obviously the knee injuries have set his career on a path that um, has been unfortunate just with the injuries and all that stuff. And when the Chiefs brought him in this year, you know, he basically sat as the fourth running back for most of the season. And whether he was, you know, inactive or or whatever, he just wasn't really getting a lot of um, touches. And that's because both Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Daryl Williams were effective enough to not really need him. And then those guys get banged up and McKinnon's you know, called on to start a playoff game, which is not something that um, the Chiefs would have planned on to start the year and comes out there and has 140 yards from scrimmage, um, really just looked dynamic, like you said, in both the running game and the passing game, was able to hit some holes and to get out on the screen game and do some stuff that the Chiefs haven't really had at running back since, I would say probably since Kareem Hunt. Um, Damian Williams had, a, had the speed, but just wasn't quite as um, dynamic as I felt that McKinnon was. So yeah, Playoff he game. is 
<laughs> playoff Damien. Yeah, he is. Uh, McKinnon's certainly a guy that I think Chiefs fans are cautiously optimistic about. You don't want to immediately write him in as, okay, he's going to be the stud that's going to, you know, be the starting running back on a Super Bowl run or anything like that. I mean, it was fun to have a guy that you didn't have any expectations on come in and, and light the Steelers up and play well. But um, as things go along, I really think the guy that the Chiefs need back to be at their best is Daryl Williams. Um, Clyde's a good player, and I really do like him, but Daryl Williams is a threat in the passing game, gets hard two-yard runs, runs that you absolutely have to have. Big dude. The guy that I would trust the most in the Chiefs' backfield of their backs would be Daryl Williams at this point. But if McKinnon's going to go out there and, and be shifty and, and fast and kind of do some of the stuff he did against the Steelers, uh, it, the Chiefs' offense is going to be pretty tough to stop. So then how do you is, – is that where you think our focus should be? Like I think about the scouring that I have on the offense if we're flipping the script on offense. Yeah. Um, on, onto your offense. I'm thinking about just the scouring that I have of watching Kelsey just do whatever he wants. And then – and especially for me personally, like Tyreek Hill hurts. To, to see Tyreek Hill hurts. I know that we have Trey White out as it is. Yeah. And I'm basically looking at Levi Wallace to take care of Tyreek Hill. Is that who – Bill, who our listeners, who the Bills fans should be mostly concerned about going to Sunday? Should it be Jarek McKinnon? Look, where should our fear lie? I mean, welcome to the hell of defensive coordinators for the last four <laughs> years with the Chiefs. I mean, that's kind of that's where they've made their their money is that there's really not a guy. There are certainly guys that when you look at them individually, you could consider them the guy. Kelsey and Hill are the two guys that if they were on any other offense in the league, you would say, all right, we got to double, triple team these guys if we got it. We just got to, you know, prevent them from doing their thing. But then, you know, they've got, I don't, I don't think McKinnon is, should be a guy that takes up a majority of a, of a defensive, you know, game plan. I think that Kelsey and Hill are still the guys that, that make the offense work and that third downs Kelsey and big plays to Hill. Those are really the two main things that the chiefs do over and over again, when they have to have a third down or a touchdown in the red zone, they go to Kelsey and when they have to have a big play or, or they really want to put the, the, you know, the pedal to the metal, they go deep to Hill. And those are the two, I would say situations that the bills, if they want to win this game, they're going to probably still pull them off every now and then, but you can't let them just eat you up with those plays. And Kelsey over the middle is a guy that has proven now for, you know, five years, he's the best in the business to do it. So you can't shut him down, but you can certainly, bracket him and frustrate him. You can punch him at the line and make sure that he's not getting clean releases. That's something that when he's had um, struggles this year and not really put up monster numbers, I always feel like I, I go back and watch the tape and it's because two or three guys are touching him before he gets out into his pass and his route. And that's the type of stuff that the bills are going to want to be physical with him. And they're going to want to double cover Tyree kill basically at all times. I don't know if it's possible, but that's, it, uh, if you don't double cover him, he's going to beat somebody. That's just what world-class speed does. Um, and like you said, without Trey White, you know, if Trey White was out there, I would say put him on tie and, and you know, let him let him go. And I'm sure they would uh, feel fine about that. But without him out there, uh, yeah, you're going to you're going to want to double Tyreek Hill and you're going to want to make sure two guys are watching Travis Kelsey at all times. Last year in the AFC Championship, Hill and Kelsey combined for what? 22 catches, 290 yards, which is silly between two guys on, on a single team. They had their um, best game as teammates for two guys that are probably both likely to be Hall of Famers. And 
And I mean, yes. they they had the best one two combo that they've ever had in that game. So I would not I know as a as a Bills fan, I'm sure you think like, you know, you got to worry about that. But you really don't. I would be shocked if they looked that good just because I don't think they'll ever look that good in the same game ever again, just because that was so, so, so dynamic. And they were both ridiculous. And Tyreek Hill ripped off the big 70 yard catch or whatever. And I mean, I, I just. Yep. You know, it could happen, sure, but um, I think the bigger issue is really just the the paper cut type of stuff, the the twelve and fifteen yard passes that um, the Chiefs are now extremely effective at. Where um, you know, if it's a third and seven and you don't have two guys on Travis Kelsey, he is going to catch that first down, guaranteed. You know, no way around it. So you just gotta you gotta hope that they don't do the little stuff constantly because the big stuff, I I wouldn't expect that to happen again. But I guess we'll see. So what do you think the defenses were doing? And I put the bills in this category earlier in the year because we went from 290 yards in the AFC championship to what 130 yards in the regular season matchup. And uh, you know, a lot of pundits were talking about the the two high safeties and um, it, it just seemed to be something off with the chiefs. Do you think it was something just funky with the chiefs themselves? Or do you think it was what the defenses were doing and how do you think the chiefs have adjusted to that? So we've diagnosed this to death in Chiefs Kingdom. There's been a lot of stuff that, especially during the funk, everyone was trying to point to everything they could for what was wrong and what could be done to fix it and and all that stuff. And I think it's a combination of answers. I think the Chiefs were certainly seeing a different type of defense and a type of defense that had proven to give them trouble in the past, but that wasn't really thrown at them almost 100% of the time. Once these teams started never getting out of the shell and, and running it. I mean, the chiefs faced the most shell coverage of any team in football for the first seven, eight weeks of the year. And it was because they struggled with it. And part of that was Mahomes' own admission that it's hard to take the underneath stuff. It's just hard. He's a gunslinger. He's a guy that wants to make splash plays. And that was a really difficult thing for him to adjust to. But fortunately for the chief fans, he did adjust to it. And now they crushed, Shell. I mean, now he's the most effective zone coverage passer in the in the league over I would I forget what the time period was, but it was like the last seven or eight weeks. And I I mean, part of that is an adjustment to the play calls, and part of that is just the changing of his reads and and kind of where he's more comfortable going now. But yeah, I do think that they were also combined with the good schemes that that teams were playing against them, they were shooting themselves in the foot a lot. And, and to the point where, you know, Andy Reid's teams, if they were known for anything going into this year, anything at all, it was turnover margin. It was that they led the NFL in turnover margin since he got here in 2013. And that was both in takeaways and in giveaways. Like they, they were elite at both categories. And to start this year, they were awful in both. They were not taking the ball away and they were giving it away at the most, the most rate in the league. So they kind of, that was almost more of a of a noisy sample size thing to me where over the course of the first six or seven games, I just didn't think that that was who the Chiefs were. I thought that there were a couple really unlucky bounces. There were uh, there was a stat early on about um, expected completion percentage and that Mahomes threw four picks on balls that were expected to be completed at 75 percent or higher. And he had only thrown two of those in his career up until this year, and he threw four of them early on this year. So they were stuff that was hitting guys in the chest. Um, a couple of those, you know, happened. The pick six against the Bills was certainly one of those. Um, and it's just kind of one of those where the ball's eventually going to bounce your way if it's bouncing not your way for that long. And so some of it was a little bit of luck change. 
Um, and some of it was just confidence. Some of it was kind of snowballing on itself and, and the team had just gotten their asses kicked in the Super Bowl. And I think, you know, they came out and then they, you know, they hadn't ever lost a game by more than eight until the Super Bowl. And then they lose a game by more than eight in the Super Bowl. And then the Bills crush them and the Titans crush them. And, and they just kind of were floundering. And once they got their, their legs under them, I think they kind of realized that they are a pretty good team. And um, some of that's just cleaned itself up. Noticed, and Tony, you probably have something to say about this too. I noticed two of the reasons uh, you didn't mention, uh, you didn't mention Jackson Mahomes or Brittany Matthews as being no, a no, problem for not. the Chiefs. No, no. And that's because uh, they are a I'm much very surprised bigger distraction <laughs> for Chiefs opponents than they are for Chiefs fans or Chiefs players. The fixation <laughs> with the family members is something that I, I just don't get. I probably never will. I know that he, that Jackson specifically gets, you know, a ton of social media attention. And I guess that's the day and age that we live in, but I don't see that being anything that anyone on the chief sideline or in the locker room thinks one second about other than Patrick, I'm sure, I'm sure it does bother him how many people give attention to his girlfriend and his brother, but yeah, that's, uh, it's been a wild ride for sure. (laughs) Tony, our Brady's better than than his, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was, I'm glad you said it and I'm glad you said it that way. Cause I was trying to think of like the way to say exactly what you said. Like our Brittany's better than theirs. <laughs> that's hard. Seen that a lot this week. Yeah. That's, uh... oh, oh, okay. Has that, has that been a buzz? Has that been a narrative that you, well, just cause both their names are Brittany. I've definitely seen our right. Brittany and your Brittany stuff. And um, yeah. I think that's something fun for Twitter. And really that's, <laughs> that's about as far as it goes. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy, I did enjoy last week, Jackson Mahomes video. He had the Mahomes, varsity jacket kind of without thing. the e or whatever without it was, the like it was e. misspelled yeah <laughs> it looked yeah. like it didn't have the e and it, it, that that got a good laugh out i i know the e was there but Mahomes. it was, it was what kind fun. of uh what kind of uh role in this whole thing if any does jake from state farm play does he ha. show up to chief games or anything yeah is jake's he... funny jake started off as an overweight white guy about 15 years ago and then right. uh, got a little <laughs> bit of a facelift but um yeah you know the state farm stuff's always been really funny to me because Rogers and Mahomes, two of the, mm. the richest people in sports, talking about how they're so concerned about their own insurance rate. I guarantee you, if you asked Rogers or Mahomes what their insurance rate actually is right now, <laughs> they would have no way of telling no. you at all. But they, he um, just knows it's the Patrick Price. It's the Patrick Price, and it's the yeah. Rogers rate, and yeah, yeah. It's uh, I you know, the commercials have definitely been something that has been fun to get used to as a Chiefs fan because. He's in everything. I mean, national commercials constantly. And that's just the, that's not the type of guy that until, you know, until the Chiefs got Mahomes, our biggest athlete in Kansas City history might have been Bo Jackson as far as like national recognition goes. And I mean, that was 20 years ago. And it's just really fun and interesting to me that, um, you know, they've got a guy in national commercials all the time. It's crazy. Mm. So Jake is not showing up to games at Arrowhead. Is what I'm he hearing. might show up if it's Packers Chiefs Super Bowl. I guarantee oh, you Jake okay. from State Farm is going to be at that game. That's about well, yeah, that, State Farm Bowl is about the only time I would expect him to show up. <laughs> uh, Josh does say one word in that Buffalo Wild Wings commercial. So that's true. I don't think I know the commercial. No, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The guy, the guy's a star. He crushes it. So if we, so if we, if we flip that around, then what's the buzz like? Like we said, who we're kind of thinking about on the chief side of things that maybe we're worried about, concerning ourselves with game planning around. What's the buzz in Chiefs Kingdom then about us? And of course, you could just say, as like, well, it all is Josh, but I don't know. Is there anybody else? Is 
like what what are you guys thinking is like oh yeah we got to watch out for this we got to watch out for that what's the buzz what's the narrative there so obviously like you said focus is on Allen, just like for the chiefs the focus is on Mahomes. that's how the star quarterback situation works but a guy that i don't think chiefs fans are concerned enough about that i have certainly been anticipating the matchup is Stephon Diggs. And he's a guy that until he joined Buffalo, you know, he unlocked the Josh Allen that we see and, and whether, you know, that's all, it's not just all the digs um, where he succeeds, but the ability to have a deep threat and have a, a wide receiver that's reliable and that's dynamic and all that stuff. I mean, Diggs is a, is a number one, number one in the NFL. And he has, I don't know. Maybe you guys think differently, but I feel like he's had a quiet season for digs for being, especially compared to the last couple of years where I felt like I saw him on every highlight. And I mean, he was going nuts all the time. And I feel like he's just been more of a steady presence this year. And I mean, he's a guy fully capable of doing what Jamar Chase did to the chiefs a couple of weeks ago and, you know, lighten him up for 250 yards and three touchdowns. If the bills just continue to throw outside and, you know, the other guys are, are nice players, but Diggs is a superstar. And whenever there are superstars on the other side, um, they're always a concern to go nuts. And, you know, as much as the Hills and Kelsey's, um, you know, freak out bills fans or whatever, like, I think that the chiefs would be very, very uh, not doing themselves a service if they, overlooked Stefan Dix. I think he is capable of going nuts in this game. As a fan, I'll, you, I'll go nuts if the Chiefs run one shovel pass that is successful. I'm sick of seeing the Chiefs shovel it's successful. Pass. Oh, they're gonna, buddy. I mean, they're they're oh, gonna shovel a couple times. And uh that's just really the way they draw them up is so funny because they've done the same designs around the goal line now since Andy Reid got there and the same types of weird arm angle passes and the same jet motions that turn into a, you know, a touchdown to a big man or something. And they just don't really ever get stopped. And I don't know if that's just because it's, it's too, there's too much window dressing or whatever the case may be. But um, if you're going to freak out at a shovel pass, be prepared to freak out because those things are coming. <laughs> now that we, now that the bills are kind of like getting on the shovel pass bandwagon, and they're starting to be successful. Now I'm really looking forward to Sunday night. If this could just be like shovel fest 2022. Constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah for just sure. Constant shovel passes. Sign me up. What's really Side been fun arms, about no, no look passes, shovel passes. Yeah. What's really been fun about being a, a fan of a Andy Reid team is you see kind of these designs that he comes up with kind of trickle down to the rest of the NFL. And sometimes it only takes a couple of weeks, but like there would be, you know, he he was one of the big touch pass first guys that did the touch pass the jet sweep touch pass where the wide receiver you know the quarterback gets the ball and then pushes it forward and the receiver catches it he did that to start Mahomes career back in 2018 and there really wasn't anybody else doing it and then by like mid 2018 everybody had a touch pass in their in their playbook and and the the shovel the underhand shovel to the tight end is something that he did a couple times with Kelsey and then I mean I've seen pretty much every superstar tight end catch one of those now over the last year so it's just really fun how the NFL is such a copycat league because if it works, you know, you, you can only put that on tape once and then everyone else has got it and can run it and design it and all that stuff. So I I'm glad to see a team like the bills that is about as close dynamically to the chiefs offense as you're going to find, they've got a lot of the similar pieces and a lot of similar designs and 
And it's just fun to see them run plays similar to each other. I've seen a couple of Bills games where I swear they ran the exact same play as what I've seen the Chiefs do. And I don't know who did it first, but it clearly shows that they keep an eye on each other and they watch what works for each other because they know that they're so similar in their in their offensive designs. And that's always been really fun for me. You know, that's funny you say that, Taylor, because throughout the drought years, I always said, like, why don't we just take yeah. what successful yes. teams do? I said the same thing. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, just run their plays. Just just watch their whole tape. Ryan, write every right. play down that they did. And then the next week, just run those plays. And right. what's the worst that can happen? Oh, I would scream that. Out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's right. Um, you mentioned Stefan Diggs. Just following up on that point, uh, can we just – see Daniel Sorensen on every snap. Nope. I'm going to see if I can catch COVID and then go find him right before the game because uh, – And then cough in his face. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, that's one of the main the main changes that's worked for the Chiefs is he was playing every snap for the first five or six weeks and they were getting cooked constantly over the top and he was always the guy chasing the receiver into the end zone. And the Honey Badger would always have his hands up in frustration at every one of those plays. Like, what are you – doing back here dude and and as soon as the Chiefs switch to Juan Thornhill full-time and Sorensen coming in as more of almost they play him like a linebacker now where he they play him up in the box he blitzes he covers you know backs out of the flat he doesn't really do any of the safety responsibility stuff and I mean that's been that's his worst quality and when you take that out of the equation uh things work out pretty well for the Chiefs so no you will not see uh Daniel Sorensen in coverage and if you do Every member of the Chiefs defensive coaching staff is going to get fired after the game. Strong. Yeah, I know. Strong statement. They only get fired if the Bills capitalize on it, which kind of is uh, that would be my bigger worry is that he is in there and that we're kind of missing the weak spot and trying to do our own thing instead of adapting to what the Chiefs guarantee you if he's in there, he's getting thrown at immediately. (laughs) I mean, they're not they're not dumb enough to not throw at him. That would be that would be (laughs) negligence on the Bills part. He is. And that's why the Chiefs know, you know, they kind of tried to sneak him back in sometimes after they pulled him full time and he got thrown out every time. And he gave up a long touchdown to Jamar Chase on on a similar play. And like they've just got to know by now, like you just can't put him in coverage. You can't put him in deep coverage. He can he can do some fun stuff up in the box and he's still an athlete. But um, if you're expecting him to cover wide receivers deep. Tony, who's one guy in the Bills offense you look for to be an X factor this game? Ooh. Well, then I would have to go deep. If we're talking about some questionable depth in Kansas City, then on the, as, as far as defensive backs goes, then I would have to say then we then we have to take that matchup if we go deep into our own uh, wide receiver room. So um, I would kind of – I guess I, I don't want to give the same answer as last week and just say Isaiah McKenzie, but I'm kind of thinking Isaiah McKenzie. We but love also Isaiah kind of McKenzie. Think, we do. <laughs> But I'm also I love Isaiah McKenzie. Thinking... I've got a dynasty uh, football team, and he's on my dynasty squad. And oh, and there you go. He's an exciting believer. young player. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I almost, I almost want to say, not necessarily <laughs> that. Like, I think Isaiah McKenzie's kind of forged out his spot, but I'm going to say whoever's in the spot that's unforged out. Like, maybe it's just sort of like those design plays that go to the person you least expect, like a Kumaro or a Reggie Gilliam. Like, kind of like bringing in those players that. The, the talent level on those players is still pretty high. So maybe that's the matchup that we can exploit. That's what I'm going to say, kind of as a more complex answer for you, Matt. If we see a Kumaro touchdown, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know 
Like, <laughs> I will, I will wake up my whole neighborhood running up and down the street. Oh yeah, we see a Kuro touchdown. I'm looking at someone who I mean, I I joke that Isaiah McKenzie's like dietary kill, but uh, they, they kind of say the same playing style. They get yeah. utilized in the same way. I, I'm looking at someone like a Dawson Knox who had a huge game wild card uh, weekend with two touchdowns himself. And he's become kind of a, a Travis Kelsey light for us. I mean, yep. uh, Taylor, you mentioned Travis Kelsey probably will go down as if not the best tight end ever, if one of the best tight ends ever to play the game. Um, it seems like Dawson Knox and uh, learned a lot from Travis Kelsey at tight end university. And um, if I was uh, 50 pounds of muscle more, I'd probably look to apply to tight end university myself. Right. It seems like they have good results, but um, that's a guy I look for. And I, I think Dable tries to create mismatches and, and Dawson Knox is with his athleticism and his, his bigger frame. We saw that in the second touchdown during wildcard weekend when he just kind of boxed out the guy in the end zone. Yep. Um, I think he can create this mis- those mis- mismatches. He's he's too fast for for linebackers, and he, he's bigger than you know a, a, a nickel or or a down safety. Um, that's a guy I look for to to make a real difference in this game. Tight ends are really fun because they're the only position in football that is constantly described as a mismatch. Constantly, they're always too big for linebackers. They're always, or, you know, too fast for linebackers, too big for cornerbacks. That's like, right. and and that's because if a guy has that size and speed, you're not playing him on defense. You're you're getting him the ball and you're playing him on offense. So that there's really never a guy that can just match up with a guy like that one on one. You never have these freak athletes like tight ends playing defense. That's just not really how the NFL is designed. So a guy like Dawson Knox is is about as scary as it gets as far as you know the the tight end game planning type of stuff i mean all those guys that are big the mark andrews and and kelsey and kittle and all those guys you just know that they're going to get there so you know that if they're in the game plan they're going to get some looks especially around the red zone and you know knox had the big touchdown against the chiefs in week 5 burned daniel sorensen right before half and and is certainly capable of getting free in the secondary and causing a lot of trouble and when Allen's feeling it and when he's feeling confident, when there's no pressure in his face and, and somebody like Diggs and Knox are both running deep or, or McKenzie or Sanders or any of those guys. I mean, they're, you know, all the weapons on the bills are capable of causing a big, big, big problem for the chief's defense, which is why really I'm not super worried about the chief's defense as a chief's fan, because they're going to, the bills are going to get theirs. They're, you know, if anyone's going in this expecting to hold the other team out of the end zone, they're crazy. You've just got to basically execute in the fourth quarter down the stretch. If you've got the ball with two minutes to go and it's tied or you're down three or whatever, like that's where this game's going to be won. It's not really the first three quarters are basically going to be window dressing. And one team's going to get a cool touchdown. The other team's going to get a cool touchdown. One's probably going to get a stop that they didn't expect. And the other one's going to do the same thing. Like that's how, you know, big time playoff football is going to go. And, you know, last time, I don't want to say the moment was too big for Josh Allen because I think that's a little um, cliche and and I have no idea what was going on in his head or anything like that. But the game got away from the Bills last time. And I just don't see that happening. I think that the Bills have a lot of not only pressure on them to perform, but confidence that they can do that. And especially coming off of an ass kicking of the Patriots where, you know, I, I mean, first of all, how good did that game feel that had to have been better than a Super Bowl to go out there and put it to Belichick for seven straight touchdowns. I mean, I was so happy for you guys because that was a team that, 
you know, for two decades had had bullied you guys and frankly bullied everybody in the league. And to see them put in their place like that, I mean, I'm sure everyone in the NFL was a Bills fan that night. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Taylor, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. We don't want to take up too much of your time. We really appreciate it. Always awesome, awesome insight from you and from a Chiefs perspective. Uh, we would say good luck this week, but no. I know it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you and I always gets say, hurt. Like, we just hope for know, a great game, right? Yes. Let's hope the refs don't have a big say in it and that, you know, whoever comes out of the game can feel good that they they gave it a good shot. And yeah, it's like I said earlier, we're going to see this game a lot. This is not going to be the last chapter of Bills versus Chiefs. And I'm just thankful that they're um, that they're putting themselves in a position once again to have a big game because I think they're going to entertain the country for one more night. And I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Give a give our listeners a, a plug for your podcast. It's, uh, it's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. You can find us at IASICK.com. A lot of, you know, constant Chiefs talk. And if you're ever wanting to get on there, especially if the Chiefs lose, we're going to wallow about it. So if you want to, <laughs> you know, if you want to soak up some Chiefs fans crying about a loss, definitely tune us in then. <laughs> we wallow about our losses pretty, know, pretty heavily. Right, Tony? Yep. yep. <laughs> and I where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R underscore wit, W-I-T-T. Awesome. Tony, no wallowing, wallowing from us, right? I mean, it was a lifestyle for 20 years. So it's in many ways, it's all we know. <laughs> us too, so man. Anything, like ingrained, anything ingrained that happens, it's, it's just purely, yeah, it's just, it's just too much in there. It's, it's just residual of, of it's all we know. We need, yeah, to, before, we need to retrain. Before 2018 and 2017, I mean, we were, we were constantly losing big games or never even being in, in them in the first place. And, uh, it's just nice to be on the other end of that for both of us. Awesome. awesome. Absolutely. Taylor, again, absolutely. Yeah. Taylor, again, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Pleasure, uh, guys. Go Good talking to we'll, uh, Go check we'll out. We'll talk Twitter, to you next follow. AFC Championship game. Yeah, right. I'll, I'm sure I'll message you Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sounds good. See thanks, you guys. Man. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Yep. See ya. You too. And we are back. Once again, thank you. To Taylor Witt of the It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom podcast. Go check him out, listeners. Great content. Great show. Uh, I listen to it. I'm not a Chiefs fan. I listen to it just, just to hear their their discussion and their talk. Great stuff from those guys over there. Uh, and go follow him on Twitter as well. Tony, we got to wrap it up, though. Let's start with our thank yous. Thank you to our sponsor, Traveling Growler. $5 koozies. www.travelinggrower.com. Go check them out. All the cool inventory, all the cool designs. Support the podcast. Support local business. It's always good to support local business, Tony. Yeah, I'm all about that, for sure. You are all about that. I know you are. <laughs> Everyone knows that about me. When they, when they think of me, they think, oh, is that the guy that's all about local businesses? They're like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Tony loves local businesses. Is that Tony? It's going to go on your gravestone. The guy who supported local businesses. Tony Amber. <laughs> Absolutely. Here lies Tony That's what, what I'm most known for. <laughs> yes exactly uh t-shirt store teespring.com check out all the cool designs search witty not funny all one word of course we added the stefan diggs notorious d-i-g-g-s t-shirt last week check it out support the podcast check out all the designs they're awesome they look really cool they get a comment every time i wear mine (laughs) as as listeners know uh they're just they're fun they're just like this show it's fun tony that's teespring.com search witty not funny all one word uh where to find the podcast you can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts are listened to for free on the built-in buffalo network 
at Built in Buffalo underscore. Check it out. iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Search Witty Not Funny, all one word. If you like us, leave us a review. We like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, thanks for joining in. Hopefully you come back. Tony, I said it only gets better from here, I think, last episode. Do you think we hit that mark? I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I can't believe, you know, with all this talk in the national media about Josh Allen arriving, I, I can't believe they didn't talk about Witty Not Funny sports podcast arriving. <laughs> next week. Next yeah. week. That, that, well, that'll be the talk next week. Well, I, I hope not, to be <laughs> honest. I hope, I hope the Bills make news again, is what I'm saying. Okay, yes, that's a good point, yes. Yeah. Okay, hopefully mm-hmm. we are not the talk, and hopefully the Bills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. Um, Twitter handles, Tony, where can the listeners follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Tony J. Ambrose. Tony J. Ambrose. And at Tony486 on the Instagram. Instagram. You can find the podcast at Woody Sports 716 Give us a follow. We love following back. We love connecting. With the Buffalo Sports Community, Bills Mafia, Saber Swordsman. So hit that follow button on Twitter, Instagram. Check out our Facebook page as well. Search Witty Not Funny Sports. And uh, you can find everything uh, podcast-wise, visual-wise. Uh, I don't put every tweet on the Facebook page. But if you don't have Twitter, check out the Facebook page as well. Send off for the listeners. What do you got? Should it be the same as last week? Just to kind of keep the, the superstition stuff going? Well, I was going to say you may watch it in your basement at Arrowhead or on your feet, no matter what, we're all together. So let's beat the Chiefs. <laughs> well said. Well said, sir. We always throw go bills out there. And stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye. Later. Bye.